Do you expect him to? I don't know if he'll see it. I tagged him. About what? Uh, knack knack. Did he do those? <laughs> Are you recording? Yeah. Did you did you get that? I did. Yeah. Oh, oh. We're gonna open this episode of the Moto Academy podcast, number one podcast in the world, up with cameraman Cam asking if Jeremy McGrath did knack knacks. That's how we're gonna open this podcast. Oh no, Cam. Oh no, what? Why? If you weren't canceled yet, you're definitely gonna be canceled after that question. Yes, Jeremy McGrath. I am ninety nine percent sure invented the knack knack. Did he really? If he didn't invent it, he was the guy who brought it into popularity. That was wow. his signature move imagine that listen guys <laughs> did, did he do those i should have known not to ask that question here's here's okay i feel bad okay there's a lot of people who are like oh you i like who are probably offended by that listen we just we all like dirt bikes right let's find yeah some common he's ground. young enough for it to be justifiable you know you're i never saw him race Right. Like, I was at the tail end of being able to watch him race, and I'm six years older than you. Maybe not. How old are you? 23. I turned 24 yeah. in two days. Oh, really? So Getting I'm old. just about six years older than you? That makes a big difference because you miss waves of, I even have conversations with Allie all the time. She gets mad at me. She's only two years younger than me, I think. But I always say, oh, you were too young to know what that was. But you know what's actually interesting is like, a lot of my, 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 my circle group here loves riding dirt bikes. We love, like, a lot of the guys that I know that race here, and none of them watch racing. Oh, really? We're either, like, you know, Andy's Woods guy, right? The guys watch the races now, right? But they, they mm. hadn't seen a race before two years ago. And even when I was racing growing up, I didn't watch it much. Like... You know what I mean? I don't know. Uh, honestly, what's interesting for me is like my upbringing in this sport was through Verb Moto on YouTube. Like I was watching the amateurs. I was watching like I wasn't really watching the races, believe it or not. I always forget to take into account, especially nowadays, people are who knows what they're digesting as far as content goes or motocross content goes. Yeah, they very well could not be racing the wa watching the races at all. They very well just might know who I am or just know who Deegan is or if you know who Deegan is I guess that's the good news about Deegan and Supercross is that if you were a Deegan fan one of those million people that subscribes to him you now know what Supercross is well so what I was going to say is like I bet you anything what's happening right now and we don't even realize it yet is that a lot of new people a, like a lot of people probably my age were watching YouTube much more than they were watching the races but with what like the Deegans are doing and with what we're doing and all that stuff, I bet you more eyes are getting on the actual racing because of the YouTube people, um, which Supercross has been trying to shut down for all these years, but I think they're giving into it. So hopefully they figured that out. I wouldn't be surprised at all if that's what's happening. No, it's a guarantee that that's happening. And I haven't really thought of it that much that way, but guess who's the, per the best business to be taking advantage of that? The Moto Academy. <clears throat> always. <laughs> the answer is always the making Moto Academy. It, making it easy to understand, teaching people what all of it means, how they can apply it in their own riding, 
Yep, we're just we're just here to capitalize. Moto Academy, we're here to capitalize. Yep. That's our slogan. I'm here for it. Uh, uh, sh shout out, shout out, Shake and Blake. I remember the shirt. I'm so proud of you. We're repping Shake and Blake. Yep, Shake and Blake is an OG Moto Academy member. Pretty sure Shake and Blake and his family were Patreons before it was even before the Moto Academy app was even conceptualized. So OGs had dinner with them on Friday. Which I would love to make a trend somehow. I don't know how without you know it that's logistically pretty difficult sometimes, but being able to sync up with Moto Academy family members and have them go join us at dinner was super cool. Yes. And we've we've done that a few times this year. So we had dinner with Shake and Blake and his family, and he gifted us these awesome t-shirts. So shout out Shake and Blake. And also I got a bunch of chapstick. He gave me so much chapstick. Well, yeah. So he gave everybody on the team, us two, Mechanic Dan and Driver <laughs> Jamie, little goodie bags that said, welcome to Detroit. And they had each of us got a shirt. You got chapstick. We all got um, like some snacks that were Detroit local or Michigan local. Yep. Um, so we got I got like a bag of chips. I had salted caramel things that didn't last much more than a couple hours and uh we all got a handwritten letter from shake and blake mine of which was hilarious <laughs> so cool yeah yeah super cool so that was fun i love the moto academy community like it grows in my eye just because i'm a, just a delusional like dreamer it it's it grows slowly but it doesn't matter because it's such a strong community and the people that are in there are so in it. It's awesome. I love going into the discussion tab and watching you guys posting on race day selfishly because a lot of that's about me, but it's just cool to see people like-minded and even when they post the race results and everybody's pumped for them, people linking up and being able to meet new people in their area and ride with you know, people that are thinking about the same things at the track on a practice day, that's really cool. Yeah, yep. It's, uh, it is quite awesome. Yeah. It is quite awesome. It's rad. I, for me, it's all about relationships, right? So the yeah. relationships that we've built all over the country, it's amazing how we can just plop ourselves in some random city and know people, you know? It's the best. Yeah, it's cool. We're, yeah, we're super lucky. It's like the best way to do it too. Because it's making other people happy, even without us having to, to do anything. Like it's it's our job, and it's what we're here to do. But other people, it's it's making their days as well, which is awesome. A lot of Moto Academy fans in Detroit. We did. There's no pits. Detroit is set up. Basically, we're pitted out of a coat closet. They shove all the privateers into. Literally, it's a. It's a storage area for like chairs. Right. And gates is what it is, really. All the privateers are shoved into that. And then the factory guys pit out of the semis, but not like normal pit out of the semis. They literally are pitting out of the inside of the semis. So they're working on the bikes like shoved into. And if anybody's been inside of a semi, it's not like an RV that has slide outs where it has a lot of room on that main level. The main level downstairs is very tight. So 
those guys are probably having a headache of a time as well. Then they're having to commute through the Arctic tundra to get down into staging area, which the staging area tunnel was left open the whole day. So it was a freezing cold and the cold draft would go right down the start straight. So when you were staging, you couldn't avoid the freezing temperature without going and sitting like in the nasty bathroom that was off to the corner. So all of the riders would be huddled up in a circle with their jackets on in like this disgusting little bathroom corner. <laughs> That's where we would hang out before we would go and race because otherwise if you were just standing with your bike and staging, it was like 25 degrees. Wow. And yeah, you can't get warmed up and then go sit in 25 degree weather. So that was difficult. Anyway, where was I going with this? Oh, there's no fans, right? So right. There, there isn't a, a pit party, whatever they call it. There is no fan activation. So what we've done for the couple of rounds that have been like that, which I guess the last two have been Indy, we did it. We did it in Detroit is we just put out a blast. We pick a section in the concourse and then put out a quick Instagram post and a post inside Moto Academy and just say, hey, we're going to be at this section for the next 30 minutes. Naturally, a kind of a crowd starts to form a little bit anyhow. And then we just hang, take pictures, sign autographs, uh, chat with the fans. And it is quite awesome. In fact, I really think there should be more guys doing that on days like that because it, otherwise there's zero interaction between the right is yeah. there any other opportunity for the fans at races like those no i don't think there is no zero so you so you have a lot of people if you think about it this way that they live near detroit that's their one supercross race a year that they, ex they get excited to go to and so they never would have an opportunity to be face to face with the riders where some of the rounds you guys might take it for granted, but let's say you live in St. Louis or Atlanta or even MetLife round or the Gillette round. All of those have great pit areas where you can walk around, wait in a line, get autographs and pictures with your riders. You see riders walking around the whole time. You wouldn't see that at, at this race. So yeah, we just hung out for like a half hour. Super cool. Saw a lot of Jets and Donuts floating around. Saw a lot of Moto Academy shirts floating around which is awesome. Thank you guys for always wearing those on race day. That's actually more helpful than you would probably even know, but it's cool. Yeah. The, uh, conversation amidst everybody, I think was, why do we go to Detroit to do supercross? <laughs> like it's a bummer because it's such a good, it's good dirt, I think. Yeah. And but it's, it's like, pit. it's cold. But otherwise, holy cow. The pits are terrible. Like it's, uh, it's a bummer. It's a bummer. I'm like, surprised I didn't get sick from the, at the end of the night. Yeah. I was so cold. Yeah. I mean, my, the, I thought my ears were going to fall off. I mean, it's still better than Minneapolis. Yep. Minneapolis is all time the worst. It's the coldest place I've ever been in my entire life. Same. And we got gassed out with CO2 poisoning <laughs> at that round last year because yeah. the ventilation was terrible and we were all pitted in the hallways. Um, yeah, I feel bad. I just wonder if there's any other location, right? Like St. Louis is so good with those indoor pits. It's like, why don't we just go to St. Louis? I mean, it must I'm, it must be cheaper, right? It must be like cheap to go to Detroit um, and rent that stadium. That's the good only turnout as well. 
Yeah, the, but the, the turnout, turnouts all season have been pretty good, haven't yeah, they? Yeah, I mean, the turnout I don't think was as good as Indy, but Supercross is in a good spot, dude. Every single week, it seems like it's packed this year. Like, packed. I mean, they said Indy had, like, 63,000 people. Oh, really? And yeah, the stadium Indy, holds, what, 75, 80,000? Like, you could tell Indy legit. was full. Yeah. Detroit looked packed, too. I mean... That's always cool to see because there has definitely been years in the past where you'd go to certain venues and it would look sort of empty-ish. Not really. I mean, there's definitely always a pretty good turnout. But yeah, I think it's on the up and up, which do in part a lot of these YouTube channels and a lot of these people, it is probably helping that. Oh, 100%. I never really thought about that that much. But You should have heard the crowd just when Deegan does anything. Was... Uh, which oh Deegan was in my heat. Yes. So that whole dramatic incident was Yes. And which we'll talk about maybe not right this second, yeah, but in not later. This podcast at some point. That was in my heat. And I do now that I think back, I do remember oh you can def because you can hear the crowd. Whether right. they're cheering for you or somebody else, you're hearing them. And every time when that happens and I'm out there, I always get curious of <laughs> of what's going on. I always assume that somebody crashed. That's always my first assumption. So mm -hmm. then I will quickly like scan the track and make sure there's no tough blocks in a weird spot or a down rider in a weird spot. That's always my first reaction. And then once I realize it's not a crash, then I'm like, oh, something, something cool must have happened. Yep. Let's talk about your day. Sure. Uh, did you like, this is kind of unrelated. I slept for like 12 hours last night. I didn't sleep at all in Detroit for some reason. Like the day did I, not start. I, I literally slept 12 hours last night. This is being recorded on Monday. So Sunday night. Yes. I, I went to bed at eight. I woke up at eight. <laughs> That's awesome. I, so I got a dead even 12 hours. Dang. Yeah. I don't know. Detroit was weird, but. Oh, there's so many good things. Dude, freaking P16. All right. Let's talk about. Um, did it seem like the day went quicker to you? Because for some reason, the day flew by for me. No, they seemed about average-ish. I will say, though, that my energy was pretty good the whole day, even though I slept horribly on Friday night, so I was a little concerned. And the whole day, yeah, felt good. I think I did a good job at the races. I have to account for a little more hydration powder in my drinks, which sounds weird, but I don't know if it's all the talking to the fans and then also just really overexerting myself when I'm actually riding and just the physical mental stress of a day, a race day specifically, I have to have a lot more electrolytes or else I end up, my muscles feel sluggish and like they could cramp at any second. And I've had that at a lot of races this season. In At Detroit, I didn't have that. But I, I remember specifically, there was multiple times where I had Jamie, driver Jamie, double scoop the scratch so I could just get one bottle of like really heavily mixed and I think that paid off quite a bit because we didn't get any crampage but yeah right from the beginning you can always I could just tell and I need to be able to really execute and perform on tracks that I walk and know that don't suit me or just shouldn't think of it that way because that's probably a lower level way to think of it but walk the track again knew that it was one that probably would suit me pretty well the whoops were pretty big i know and i'm familiar with the dirt in detroit it's harder packed 
it's got decent traction usually, but it gets down to the hard base very quickly, so it won't break down that much. So when you see the whoops, the whoops are what they will be later on with some cuppage. The whoops in Indy, they turn into a disaster immediately, and you expect that that's going to happen. So it's too completely... Like, if you guys were to try to ride the whoops in Indy, and then the very next day try to ride the whoops in Detroit, you would be like, what the heck? This is not even... It's not the same thing. It was like riding an enduro cross section versus Detroit riding an actual whoop section. And it stayed that way throughout the whole main event, which was great. And I knew that would benefit me as well. So, yeah, walk the track. Actually, didn't walk the track. Walked the perimeter of the track because I forgot my track walk shoes. I had on my ons, the Roger Federer's. That I, they, I think the ones I have are still sold out, so I don't want to get them dirty. Didn't even go down to track walk, just walked in the stadium around the outside. And just, there was one rhythm section in the middle that I couldn't even really see. So I was just like, ah, oh well. But that's a sign of confidence, right? I guess. Yeah. That's how I looked at it. I, I wasn't phased by that. I wasn't really concerned. So just kind of glanced at the track, free practice, did the same thing that I did in Indy, which was jump a lot of stuff on lap one. So let's... Let's go through the track here. The start was kind of cool. It would go left and it would go under the double. I immediately uh, went single over table, double, triple, very first lap. Turned right, went double, triple, first lap. And that one was kind of scary too. That was a big peaky triple. Turn right, on off, turn right, skim the dragons back, jump the finish line first lap, skim the whoops first lap, jump that double across the start first lap. And I'm not doing this recklessly. I'm clearing everything perfectly first try. So what that does, and I don't recommend this for most people, I always say take that lap, whether you've ridden the track zero times like I do in this situation, or ride the track a million times, take, take a lap. The only reason I'm able to do this is because it's a professionally built track, and you know that it's like everything is specced to perfection, so you know it's safe. Don't go to your local track and try that because you, you never know if there's a freaking cow walking across the track. There could be a giant rock where you didn't expect there to be one. They could have changed the track and you don't know. There's a million variables. Take your slow lap. Keep the wheels on the ground at least for one lap, no matter what. But this situation's definitely the exception to that. So jump everything first lap. Clear it perfect. And that just gives you an instant con confidence boost. I'm like, oh, yeah, we got it. It just because if you don't do that, the race bike feels quite different than my practice bike at this point. Quite different. So if I were to go out there and roll around, I'd start thinking about all the things that feel different. Ooh, my triple clamps feel a little stiffer than my practice ones. Wow, this frame feels really tight. Ooh, these tires hook up like crazy because they're brand new. This bike's a heck of a lot fast, faster than my practice bike. Oh, these grips are brand new, not like the worn ones on my practice bike that Jet gave me four months ago. You know? like. If you start going fast right away, you immediately don't think about that stuff. And I think that's really helpful as well. Free practice. So I, let me I went in. fast also. Yep. We're in, we showed up and we're in group B again. Oh, yeah. And we're like that part. Huh? <laughs> like, <laughs> but tell me about that. Tell me about what it, what, what, how that's determined and what that means for us. So there's three groups in practice. You have group A, group B, and group C. Group A is 
determined, I believe it must be determined by top 20 in points. If they don't have all the guys from top 20 in points, then they start selecting guys based on the lap times from the previous weekend. I'm pretty sure. It seems as though they almost just kind of do what they want. But I've been in B group the last two or three rounds, all of which these rounds I've showed up expecting to be put into A because I'm making these mains consistently. I think I've only missed one or I've only missed two at this point and I made all the others. So, and my qualifying times are always quite good, like top 15 at the worst. The last two rounds I've been top eight. So yeah, I go, Dan, what group expecting he's going to say A and he goes group B again. I'm like, oh, all right, cool. Because what that means is we actually go out the moto right or the session right before group A, which makes a little bit of a difference. You get a slightly smoother track. You also get a chance to be at the top of the board, which I think helps with confidence a little bit as well. Like putting in a good lap and seeing, looking up at that tower in the middle where it says the top five riders' names, like lit up in color, and your name pops to the top of that, that feels good. It's nice. So, yeah. Got put in Group B, wasn't mad about it. I'm going to keep asking to get... And you also have an opportunity to get more TV time on Race Day Live, which is never a bad thing. I don't know how many, how many people watch that, but it seems like quite a few do. So, yep, Group B went out with some confidence. Free practice. Again, I talked about this last weekend. I, I did a pretty fast lap just to set the, set the tone for the day. Did my fast lap, I'm pretty sure, the one lap where I did the mic'd up. Oh, really? Which, yeah, I think so. Nice. I think that's where my lap came from, which is cool to think that I was able to throw down a pretty competitive lap time while talking the whole time. It's not easy. It's hard. It's really hard to multitask in that sense. Finish my lap, go into the plywood, and immediately it was like a slip and slide. Like there was not even, I went to the ground quicker than you can even imagine and then I was just sliding on my butt as my bike was sliding away from me so that video was epic perfect I will never get a mic'd up lap that good again I don't think yeah that was great the timing it got was decent impeccable. views yeah just, totally oh and it's really slippery even my reaction to it was hilarious yeah right after I go get out of my way son and then the same guy just crashed on the plywood right in front of him uh, it's a bummer that the Instagram reels aren't doing really well the last couple of weeks. It, it's synced up perfectly with them not funding the creators anymore, doing the bonus program on reels. Coincidentally, the, the views has, have also just gone down, too. Well, so no I don't know kidding. what's up with that. Well, they're not making but money it, off of it, right? It did really well on TikTok, and it did really, really well on Facebook as well, like collectively... I don't know, easily 400,000, like between everything across the board. So that's good. Uh, I'm going to keep asking to get put in group B. I wonder if they will. I imagine people will start to get pissed off if I keep qualifying top 10 out of group B. Well, but I'm going to keep asking. Mechanic, who's either Dan or Jamie, I don't know. Somebody had a good point this week. And I mean this in the least pretentious way possible because it's going to sound terrible but I don't mean it that way um, as, as far as like having a following goes you're the person they want to talk about in group B right because if you're in group A you're going to be like 
halfway down, if not further, like no one's going to talk about that. They only talk about like the top three guys in qualifying typically. And in group B, um, you're someone that they can talk about on race day live that people know who you are already. So they don't really leverage that, but it's a win for them, whether they realize it or not. They don't realize it. (laughs) Well, they're not. I actually talked to Dan Hubbard um, in the elevator this weekend. And I was like, he's like, hey, when are you going to have our guy AJ back with you? Because he was all stoked on the vlog last time, all this stuff. And he's like, who? (laughs) And I'm like, seriously? (laughs) Like, you know who AJ is. You talk to him all the time. (laughs) I mean, those guys have a lot going on. And they have a lot to worry about and focus on for themselves. But I don't think they're quite with it enough to be able to, if they were, they would be leveraging that. It would make sense. They, right. they're, and they're not. They talk about me, but they're talking about me because I'm dominating the B group session. So they better talk about me whether I'm a nobody or not. You know, they're not. They're not leveraging that like they should. They should be talking about Moto Academy like nobody's business. Right. Well, because I. Then it becomes a business promotion, and that nobody's paying for, and then it's a whole other deal, right? Like, yeah, but you know, it's doing more for their sport than anybody else out there. In Group B? You know, like there's no total. Like, who are the most influential people in Supercross? Deegan, the Lawrence brothers, Ken Roxon. I would put myself in the top 10 list. Sorry, I know that sounds bad, but that's not untrue. Right? Sure. Yeah, I don't know. Y- yeah. I mean, I think get, of other people. Right. I mean, as far as like beyond race results, yeah, 100%. I mean, for yeah. people. Who aren't doing it for race results? Yeah, you're you're there. So, I mean, yeah, the race results don't matter at all. For some people, they do if that's the only thing that they have, like a Tomac. Well, that's what right? I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like as far right. as people who have an influence that don't care about race results, yeah, no, we're we're there. But Tomac doesn't have much of an influence because he's there's nothing to influence. Right, but those Oakley selfies, I mean, those are pretty sweet. Do you know how <laughs> Do you know how many pairs of Oakleys those sell, dude? <laughs> I can't see how many you're holding. Zero. Zero. Dude, I just I love Eli's Instagram. It's every six months. And he has the right he has the right to do that because he's the he's a legend and he's the man. But yes, he is. And he's selling he's selling Yamahas. There's no question about that. But other than selling Yamahas, I, he's not do he's not very influential because he's just there to win races, and that is completely fine. And he's you know doing what I mean? it. And he's doing it. He's the best because it is basically impossible unless you have an agent like Lucas or somebody that's you know, really, really, really on it and doing it for you, it's not possible to do both at the highest level. Right. But that's exactly why Jet is so special. Right. Right. Because, I mean, Jet is doing both of them at the highest level. He's yeah. winning everything. Hunter is now... Did you I see mean, their stats? Yeah. Whoa. That was crazy. That I didn't see coming at all. Right? No. And it's like... exactly the same. Yeah, they're the same. Like how, That's incredible. I don't. I don't even know how to put into words how crazy that is. But with that to say, it's like that's why Jet's gonna change the sport because, and then Deegan's gonna change the sport, right? Because they're doing it. They're doing yep. what the top guys aren't doing right now. Yep. And what's great is that will set a precedent for moving forward, which is good and it's much needed Think because about we've had too many people come through 
that haven't really made any impact, you know, because they've rightfully so just been so focused on one singular thing and didn't have a team around them that recognized the value of everything else. Dude, you have Eli Tomac, who's going to be one of the best who ever rode a dirt bike. Already is. You have Ken Roxon, you have Chase Sexton, Cooper Webb, and they don't even have merch outside of the races. Like they, how do you, how is that even allowed? Like, how is that even... Yeah, and yes, they 100% should only be show, focusing on, like, winning championships. But what's but, their agent but doing? But what is, right, what is everybody else around them doing? Like, well, maybe Eli Tomac, do you think he has an agent? Probably not. He must. I, yeah, he's got to. He's got to. You can't but imagine. Eli Tomac's agent, what are you doing? How, wait, what on earth? Is he getting paid? I mean, he better be getting paid a, a lot, obviously. Wait, he what is? is but. I just can't think of a logical, I can't think of a logical reason. Why do these guys at the absolute top not do that? We're back to the jersey thing. Why is nobody selling jerseys? You know, like, I mean, Jet probably cleared over, a, like, I think I did the math. It was, what, a hundred grand in a day by selling those jerseys? There's a lot of, we've talked about this before. There's a lot of old school influence still left in the sport. As far as like, hey, you better not be doing anything but just racing your dirt bike well, because if you're not winning and dominating, then we don't want to hear about all of your other endeavors. And I think that's a bunch of BS. Right. You know, and I mean, think about how. Like, just think about how, like. Every who, guy should example. be le leveraging their personality figuring out what they're good at. They're good at riding a dirt bike, yes, but there's always another twist to it. Like, I'm good at riding my dirt bike, but I'm also really good at teaching people how Gosh. to ride a dirt bike. AJ, I want to make Drive to Survive for Supercross because think about, like, who's, like, a good, like, 15th to 20th place in a 450 main every Moran's, single week. Moran's a great personality. I talked to him in the airport and he has such a cool story. Works his butt off too. Yeah. You know, and I'd hardly, I've never even spoken to the guy, but I just know being around him, like the dude works hard. He's got the work ethic. He's, a, but like, I said this in the last podcast. Starling. Dude. There's so many different stories that nobody would know about. But think about this. 20th place in a 450 Supercross main, you are one of the best riders alive right like you don't it is ridiculous how good these guys are if you get last place in a 450 main in a 250 main you are a you're like the top 0.1% of people who ride dirt bikes and nobody cares <laughs> right and it, but it's like i'm trying to think like dean wilson is a good example dean wilson has a pretty good following um, and he's usually outside of the top 10, not always, right? But like right. more often than not, but he's done a good job of cultivating right. an audience when and you, showing off his, <sighs> his personality and his story. Everybody, gosh darn it, if you're a supercross rider and you're listening to this, make a YouTube channel. Yeah, it's That's not step one. It's not too old. It's not too late. It's not it's cheesy. Not too late. It's not. 
It's, it's not. You doesn't matter how you many have people to. have them. Doesn't matter how many people have already had them for a long time. The, my only regret with it is that I didn't start it earlier. Did I still start it early days compared to most people in the sport? Yes, but that doesn't matter. It's not too late. We just we just created a couple of new uh, Moto Academy YouTube channels that already create revenue, have quite a bit of an audience and subscribers, and are growing rapidly in subscribers and growing rapidly in revenue. So create a YouTube channel, that is step one. And then just consistently do it. I started with an iPhone, then I went to a Canon G7X, no, then I went to a GoPro, then I went to a Canon G7X, which is like a couple hundred dollar camera, then I went to a couple thousand dollar camera, and then I hired a film guy, and then I hired two film guys. But that all takes time, and the cool thing is, you could probably do it forever on an iPhone and a good mic <laughs> if you really wanted to. Yeah. Look at Axel Hodges' YouTube. He His YouTube isn't the best, but he still gets quite a bit, bit of views when he posts. I think his main focus is Instagram over YouTube. But when he does a YouTube video, it is almost always just with a, a bunch of iPhone clips lapped on top of each other. It is only about creating or making people invest in you and then once you do that, you can start to sell product because people actually care. Nobody wants to buy your product if they don't know who you are and care about you. Right. Once people care about you, then start to think about, okay, what, what can I really do here to, to start to create value in, in these people's lives that, that do care about me? And yeah, it's just a snowball effect. Yeah. The, the problem is I, I get it. And it's because as soon as I start describing that and talking about it, it is almost impossible to picture being a Moran and this is the conversation Kevin Moran's and myself had in the airport Sunday morning. He's like, dude, I am so inspired by what you do. I think it is incredible. I just don't understand how you made it happen. He's like, because as soon as I start trying to put effort into the Patreon and all this other stuff, it becomes impossible to still be good at the racing part. It's like, I can't do both to a certain extent. You know, he has ideas that he wants to implement and then the, the ideas kind of come and go. And name that noise. Guaranteed <laughs> it's a it. Ford Mustang or a Dodge Charger. It's a Charger, it's gotta be. <laughs> oh, it was, yep. Black Dodge Charger. Yep, knew it. Golly, if you, have a, if you have a Dodge Charger and it's not a 1972 or older, please sell it. <laughs> because you're driving one of the top two worst, most annoying vehicles of all time. <laughs> but for those guys, my, my advice would be make the sacrifice for a period of time to begin building a foundation of your brand. And Moran's is beginning to do that quite well. But don't give up on that vision because that is what will ultimately have longevity. It, the racing won't create, there, there's no longevity in the racing, even if you are Dean Wilson, even if you are Aaron Plessinger, even if you are a guy that's a fifth to 12th place guy in a 450 main event, you retire, nobody's going to care about you in two years. You're not going to be creating revenue in two years, probably. But if you can begin to build these networks in your own platform, 
that has longevity outside of the sport, outside of anything else, because you will, and it takes a while, but you will begin to slowly build that audience. Yeah. It's, it's so important. Oh, dude, I want to, I just, I want to, I want to make Drive to Survive for Netflix. I've been yeah, honestly trying, uh, no, I've been trying to think of a like. ginormous budget. I was talking to Lucas oh, about it. and we need a ginormous budget. Yeah. Not to mention we need people on board. The reason Drive to Survive works is because all of them are getting paid. Yes. So that's a big problem. That is a big, that, that's going to be the <laughs> biggest problem. And I've been trying to think, I'm like, man, can we, I don't want to talk about this on a podcast because I don't want anybody to take it. I'm not even kidding. Yeah. Um, I have some we'll ideas. We'll do it. We'll be the ones to do it. We're the best people to do it. But it's just going to take a little bit of time and a lot of funding. Well, but. I have some ideas that you okay. and I should seriously talk about. Anyhow, um, but that's that would help dramatically, right? In the in the space of getting people out there and getting people known. But um, wow, I can't believe that these top five guys don't do that. Barsh is doing a great job. Um, yeah, sometimes. Yeah, when when the Bam TV stuff comes out, his content's right. great and it's it's personal. periodic. It's real. That's actually what Justin Barsha is. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it is. Actually. You know, and yeah, yep, it's, cool. it's catching on. It's catching on, and it's going to continue to catch on when it's proven, and which it's already been proven. But you know, the power of Deegan is is really proven, and right. Jet and Hunter and Moto Academy, and yeah. all of these brands that like Moto Academy is growing a lot and it's big, but give it a couple more years and it's going to be 10 times what it is now. So that will inspire other riders to go down that path more, which will only be helpful for the sport. But yes. yeah, it, it's cool. Like even Ali and I were talking today because we, HR Hannah is just reconciled last month's uh, books mm -hmm. and Allie was happy with the numbers and she goes, oh, wow, you know what I forgot to? She's like, you're funding your Supercross season. I'm like, I know. Yeah, I'm completely funding my Supercross season. I completely forgot about that. Wow. Yeah. Heck yeah. In addition to all the other business crap I have going on. So that's cool. Yeah, that's great. I, dude, I just. Yeah. Wow. Dude, the sport is in a good spot. We're going to yeah. have Jet Lawrence. Moto, Moto Academy is in a good spot, Cam. How exciting. Yeah. Isn't this fun? I'm excited. I love it. I'm going to Seattle on Friday. Going to go hang out with Jet Lawrence. That's cool as frick. I'm going to Mississippi. <laughs> what? Why? For class. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> Mississippi. All right, that's cool. Uh, yeah. That's cool. Don't know I'm if excited. I've ever been. I'm excited for Seattle. I'm a little bit bummed. Mm. I'm only going to... I land really late Friday, and I leave really early Sunday. Um, I've, I haven't that's been to Seattle since flight. I was a little kid and I would have loved to you know see Seattle um what's the weather looking like haven't looked probably gonna rain if I know the, the Pacific Northwest at all but um I'd like to watch a, a mutter on TV on TV yeah exactly we haven't had one right we haven't had one dude we didn't even have one in outdoors you know it didn't rain a single weekend in outdoors this year it didn't no every round was sunny except for motocross and nations it rained that was the only one Wow. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, I'd like, I'd like to watch a little mudder action this weekend. Why All right, not? we're 40 minutes in. We haven't freaking gotten anything from oh, the vlog boy. yet. We um, didn't even really talk about my night. I'm going to quickly run through it. Well, no, no, uh, don't quit. We need to, we actually well, need to just walk through it slowly. <laughs> oh, for the vlog purposes? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. So wait, let's talk. 
Um, we talked enough about free practice. Um, we had a, you are the only person who can make Hunter Lawrence wait for you in the privateer <laughs> pit. <laughs> we That's have, hilarious. So a little bit of backstory here. We went to dinner with Shake and Blake uh, the night before. And as I was walking out of the bathroom, this guy stops me. And two really funny things happened. First funny thing is he's like, hey, cameraman Cam. We talked for a little bit. He's like, you know what? I've actually never caught your name. And I'm like, it's Cam. <laughs> and then, um, so we were talking for a bit and I was like, oh, did you say hi to AJ? And he's like, no. And I'm like, you can say hi to AJ. And he was clearly like a little bit nervous or whatever. And that's mm -hmm. awesome. That's totally cool. Um, but anywho, he's like, hey, I have this suite. Like my friend has this suite at in Detroit. Um, which is like the box seats. They're super nice. Like usually they're only reserved for teams, but some rounds you can uh, rent them as like individuals or whatever. So he, he's like, yeah, we rented the suite and you get food catered and, and everything. It's epic. Really nice seats. He's like, it would mean the world to us uh, if you guys came up. Like my buddy would love to meet AJ, all this stuff. And I'm like, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so that was really funny. That happened the night before and AJ and I are up there. And this is between the break, right? And you get a text saying Hunter's waiting for us, like, in the privateer pit. And you're like, all right, we'll be right down, you know? Yeah, that was cool. So he came down in the chat. I had to give him, Lucas and I had to have a little intervention with Hunter because his finish line celebrations have been underwhelming to put it lightly and we, we really just want to make, make sure that he just put a little bit more pizzazz into that finish line celebration which by the way he did mm. did you over the finish line not so much but after he crossed the finish line we had a lot of crowd hypage he did a burnout hyped the crowd up more I saw him on my flight on Sunday morning and I go because I hadn't uh, talked to him since the race yet and I go well, I'm walking down the aisle to go sit. Well, did you give us any, what did we get off the finish line? He goes, well, they didn't give me a white flag, so it was a little off, but after I crossed the finish line, he goes, you would have been proud of, me, proud of me. I hyped the crowd up multiple times and I did a burnout. I'm like, okay, all right, we'll take it. It's a start. He's <laughs> proud awesome. of his burnout skills, which he is he's good. He's pretty good at him. He's good at him. Yeah. We saw that at Daytona. Uh, so that was funny, but it was just cool for him to come hang out with us for a bit. and. Um, just cool coming in the coat closet with us yeah it's cool so let's talk about qualifying um because we talked about free practice a little bit free practice was good qualifying b group first qualifier can't for the life of me remember what happened so remind me first qualifier p1 but the track was pretty slow so that's the thing at some of these rounds is you just always have to remember that the just about the worst condition you see the track all day is, you know, the last few laps of the main event, maybe, and that's that first time qualifier. And you have to be careful. And I always remind guys with less, less experience about this. Don't ride desperate in that first time qualifier if you think there's parts of the track that are a little hairy. So don't send it in the whoops if it's not necessary. Just put a lap down 
but don't kill yourself trying to put a lap down. So that's kind of what I did. I was still P1, but my time wasn't spectacular, although I say that and I think I was pretty sure I was over a second faster than second place in B group. I think I was top 10 overall. Felt good. Just one of those days again where the riding, everything's starting to come together. Arm pump was very controllable, wasn't getting super tired, was skimming the whoops really well. Just felt loose and felt good. Second time qualifier, they redid the whole track and they redid the whoops, which I was bummed about. But then again, it doesn't really matter. All it does is make the times usually a little tighter when they do that. I come around first lap and second time qualifier and skim the whoops like they were straight away. I'm like, oh boy, okay. Well, what that means is you're probably gonna have quite a few guys going pretty fast through these things. But they got cupped out pretty quick. I still was able to be P1 in that qualifier by a pretty significant margin, I believe. And I think it put me second overall going into A group for their last session. And then I got bumped down slowly by the end of that practice. I think I got bumped to fourth. Then I got bumped to six. And then with a couple laps left, Blos and Deegan got by me. And I ended up eighth, I think. So faster than Anstey. Like I'm definitely competitive in these time practices at this point for the most part, which is cool. I know it's only one lap, but it's still a cool thing to accomplish. It's fun. Again, it was another situation of me being out there and being excited about riding the track when the checkered flag came out. I was, I wanted to keep staying out there and doing more. So that's, you, you can't get better than that. If you're enjoying riding and you want to stay out there when the checkered flag comes out, that's, that's the ideal situation. Uh, so let's see, yeah, P8, which again, P8 is pretty, actually pretty good. That's good, it's fast. <laughs> pretty good. Definitely the first privateer bike. And yeah, if you're qualifying top 10, that's certainly no joke. I haven't done that in a while and I did a back-to-back -back weekends now. That's awesome. I didn't I haven't even really reflected on that until now. And then going into the night show, I wasn't even super, I wasn't really that nervous. When you qualify that well, you end up having a really good gate pick in the heat race and then what that does is that gives me peace of mind and knowing that even if I mess up the launch out of the gate when that gate drops, you still have a pretty good chance of coming around the first turn looking pretty good because you can sit, situate yourself with all the top 10 qualifiers on that start and then you kind of end up in the flow of them. It's almost like a group of fish going around the first turn. Like you're in that mix where all the other guys that qualified 15th to 40th they all have the crappy gate picks on the outside. They end up in their group. Even if you get a good start out of that group, it's very unlikely that you end up in that inside group. It's hard. So I just, I, I wheelied coming out of the gate, but I stayed in it. And then going around the first turn, somebody hit somebody's back tire and it made them go wide. And then I swung under them and I came out sixth, I think. So that was good. And then first lap, get to the whoops. And I'm like, whoa, these things, they rebuilt them again, but they rebuilt them r steeper than what they were all day, which I'm fine with that, made it more difficult. But that was my first thought was, oh boy, these things are steep. They're still pretty big. We're going to have some chaos in these whoops right about now. So I get through the, survive the first lap in the whoops. And then I kind of, because of that thought, went 
into conservative riding mode a little bit too much. I needed to, looking back and reflecting on that race, I really needed to push a little harder those first couple of laps. I think lap three, or whatever lap it was that Jordan Smith and Deegan had their incident, and he crashed on the face of that double. When he got up, he got up at the worst possible time for me, and he rolled across the landing of the double, going completely sideways across the track. So I had to roll it. And when I did, I like half jumped it, thought I was going to get landed on, swerved to the right side of the track, and then had to roll the double going across the start straight, which, geez, I, I think by lap time on that lap, I lost like three seconds. So three or four guys jumped over my head. And I actually went out of qualifying position, I think, at that point. But kept riding solid. You know, skimming the whoops, not super fast, but consistent. And passed maybe one or two guys. And then I think Jordan Smith crashing. Yeah, Jordan Smith didn't make it out of that heat. Him crashing it ultimately gave me that transfer spot. Straight out of the heat again. Dang, does it feel good to qualify straight out of the heat. Holy cow. Especially being 250 heat one, you have what feels like to be an eternity before you have to go back out. Well, after the heat race was... Like, I had complete and utter confidence that we could do it again, right? And yeah. go through the heat race. Yeah. But I know how races work. You get a bad start. There's no shot. You know, like if you fell in the first corner, uh, it's over, right? We're not making it through the heat. There's just so many variable variables that could happen. And we go through again, and I'm just like, holy cow. Like, that is sick. And... I think the most encouraging part was when we all got back to the pit, you had a smile on your face and you weren't dead. Yeah. <laughs> it was <Yeah>. awesome. <laughs> like, yeah. And that was partially due to me not riding hard enough those first couple of laps where the heat race in Indy was a very different situation. That one I was in the mix moving forward the whole time. And that was also a track that lended itself in the heat race to be extremely high speed and we were just hauling butt. Like that was one of the faster heat races I can remember from my time period in racing. Like the, the pace was so fast. I was just like, what is this? It didn't that feel that way in Detroit. It, but granted, I was not in that top five to seven mix like I was in Indy. And I think just being a little bit more relaxed. When I came off the track, you guys got bad. I was totally fine. I was pretty good. Which ended up making the main better. I had a lot more energy for the main. That's for sure. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. Like you have to kind of, when you're in my situation and you're a little limited on preseason prep and a little limited on how much you can ride during the week once the season does start, I have to just face the fact that I'm not going to be in quite as good shape as everybody else. And I have to kind of strategize. Like this weekend, the way I felt after the heat certainly made it so that I could ride that main event the way I did. Um, what else? Anything to talk about heat race? No, no. P9, we were good. Uh, yeah. Main event. P9. Do we talk about main event? P9, dude. Yeah. That's sick. Again. But even, even after that, Cade goes, I don't know how you qualify eighth and then get ninth in the heat. <laughs> You know, that, so, that's a good point. Yeah, it proves that I still, although, yeah, that's great. I think we have to up expectations a little bit. Not, a, I think we just have to, uh, I could be better. Yeah, we could be top five in a heat. Yeah, 
100%. Yeah. One hundred percent. We should. <laughs> I mean, based on qualifying. But then again, we all know qualifying doesn't mean a single thing. I mean, but yeah, racing in a heat race is hectic. Right. It's all it's different. Just there's no other way to describe a heat race in Supercross than just hectic. Doesn't matter if you start up front. Doesn't matter if you start mid pack. It's hectic. People are hauling butt. They're going so fast. Main event. Horrible start. Probably can't really remember. But sort of, I think I cut to the inside, the signature AJ Cat move where I just let everybody go and dive to the inside and pass five to seven guys. I think I did that. And then just clicked off laps and rode solid. Skimmed the whoops every lap where a lot of guys around me were having to drop in and double them. I could have skimmed the whoops faster, yes, but I was definitely around guys that were doing a bit of swerving in the whoops. So... Once I got some clear track, then I really started clicking off laps. My lap time stayed pretty consistent all the way through. My most consistent main event easily since 2016. So that's a long time ago. Six or seven years since I've circulated a main event like that. What I was really proud of is when I got lapped. I only got lapped by four people. Hunter, Thrasher, Deegan, J-Mart. When I got lapped by those four people, the only person I really slowed up for was Hunter. And that was, we got strict instructions before the race started. Shout out driver Jamie. Sorry, yes. we're 53 minutes into this podcast before I give you a shout out. Uh, it was St. Patrick's Day. So basically that is Jamie, driver Jamie's Christmas and birthday all wrapped into one. <laughs> it's like, it, I've never, he, he is more excited for St. Patrick's Day than any other human being is excited about any other holiday that could possibly exist. So yep. bought him some Guinness, yes. which was cool. He was excited for that. We had a great weekend with driver Jamie, but he told me before that main event went out, is he said, the only bike you let by is the 96 in this main event. He goes, if anybody else is lapping you, you do not let them by. You just do what you just stay, hold your line. They'll find a way around you. And... I kept that in my head. So I was like, okay, I might not do it that literally. I might move a little bit, but I'm going to keep... Just keep going. I'm just going to keep going. This track was a lot easier to do that than Indy. Indy was scary because it was so rutted that I would be afraid when I was getting lapped that I would try to hold my line and then just cross rut and swerve into somebody. So that's a different fear altogether. But I kept it moving. Like Thrasher came by, barely moved. Deegan came by, barely moved. So... It didn't affect my laps too much uh, on those laps that I was getting passed by them. And then at the end, with five minutes to go, I remember looking up at the... Because at this point, I'm by myself. There was nobody in front of me. There was nobody behind me. And I was pretty tired. I saw the pit board, P17 or P6, P16. And then I saw the five minutes left on the tower. I'm like, okay, just keep riding consistent. But then what I started to do is I turned around and I saw Blos and Vial were in a battle for fifth. And they were one straightaway behind me. And I kept them one straightaway behind me for the last five minutes. They really didn't reel me in a ton, it felt like, until that very last lap when I just wanted to just get to the finish line. But that I was proud of that too. I just used them as a gauge and instead of, like I was just made a game out of it. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to let those guys catch me. And it made me focus on my marks and hit, hitting my corners with some aggression, continuing to hit the whoops with a little bit of aggression. I got really sketchy one lap in the whoops when I was all by myself. But other than that, that felt really good. That, it felt 
that felt really really good i was proud i was proud of that one that 16th is a big deal 16th is freaking sweet dude like last year we made one main (laughs) 16th is sweet like especially to do it in the fashion that it happened where it was like last week make it through the heat for the first time that i've ever seen right first time in years that you've done it and then do it again and then just have dramatic improvement now tell me this you only rode once this week yeah how is it possible okay yeah isn't that interesting no but hear me out how is it possible that in indy you come out of the heat race close to death barely survive the main (laughs) basically like, like your your body language in the main event, you were getting mad sketchy in the whoops. You were falling apart halfway through. Did great. But how is it possible that with one week in between, only riding one day in between, there can be such a dramatic improvement from, like, through the heat race, after the heat race, you felt great. Main event, you came off the main event and you were great. Yeah. How is that possible? It just slightly there's other variables but this is the biggest one it's uh it's like compounding mental momentum uh you start to feel and i'm very good at this in every other aspect of life i'm getting much much better at it in racing but and i talk about this often it's hard to have the fake it till you make it mentality so to speak in racing because you're just proven wrong over and over and over again it takes like Plessinger this weekend. Doesn't matter if he crashed out in that last lap or not. Now he's got that, okay, well, I can do it. And he just proved to himself that he can do it. Whatever doing it is, if it's making the main event, if it's getting top five, if it's winning a race, you do it once, then you're like, okay, I can do it again. You do it two weekends in a row, then you're like, oh, all right, this is a regular thing now. Now we start your expectations, even though you're not consciously feeding into them like subconsciously you have these expectations or, or a caliber a bar um, set in your head the only bummer now is there's I have time off so I just need to make sure I need to try and get a bike from Honda here I need to try and ride Allie and I are moving I won't be at the compound with Jet and Hunter anymore I just need to try and stay on a dirt bike in this time off but let's say situation is different and we have another race this weekend and things continue the way they do i would really you would start to see a a pretty hefty ramp up in everything i think because it's coming back it's all coming back like it's been a long time since i've raced the main event like that and finished 16th it's it had been until last weekend a long time since i had transferred out of a heat race you you slowly start to have doubts whether you can actually do it or not. So then once you prove to yourself even a little bit that you can do it, then it starts to it starts the compound. Yeah. Yeah. And that is the ticket. Like if anybody didn't believe that this was a mental game, this whole dirt bike racing thing, now, you know, because you don't get dramatically more fit riding one day during the week than you did the previous week, right? Your fitness didn't get any better, yet your fitness was dramatically different this weekend, right? It's incredible to me 
yeah. how much the mental side has to do with it. Like it is almost everything, especially the higher level you get. It is becomes more important, but it's important at any level because I see people and how they react to certain stress, stressful situations and high pressure situations. Uh, and people all respond very different. And depending on how you respond and prep mentally for these things, some people physiologically end up in a state where they're really weak, their, wet, their legs are weak, they feel like they're gonna throw up, they feel sick to their stomach, they can't eat. They, do you think that that's not affecting your performance? Of course it is. It's affecting your performance in a huge way, where if you can be the guy that's like, not phased by any of that, and not only not phased by any of that, he is so confident that he is like standing up straight and breathing slowly and kind of has that vibration of like he's already accomplished it. That is so different. It is so different. It's just hard to do in the sport. And I, as I begin to learn more about it, hopefully I can make sense of it more and more to you guys and articulate it. The problem is I, I'm starting to understand all of these things, but I can't freaking make sense of it when I go to talk. The mental game is a very weird, delicate thing. Yeah. Yeah. So but, what? Uh, and do you want to know a cool part too? Hmm. I just feel as though I'm riding better now than I've ever ridden in my life. Not speed wise, not result wise, but just like watching footage of me ride. I'm, I'm a better rider now than I've ever been. I mean, you let your fate hang off a little bit more than you probably should, but yeah. <laughs> but elbow, like upper body's really good. Footwork is great for the most part. You look comfy. Sometimes sure. I lock at the hips a little bit and look like an old man, but it's it's not frequently. It it's for brief moments. If I get into a tense, stressful situation, you'll see my back roll. I don't even know if other people notice that or if I'm just really picky about it, but. When I watch myself in slow-mo or just any footage, I'm like, wow, I actually, I look better now at 30 than I ever have on a dirt bike. So I just need to continue to make time these next few years. It's cool. I've told, I've told you this, I've told the podcast this, there will be a time. Some people might think this is the time, but it's not yet, it's still coming. Where my racing will be at its peak and Moto Academy will be at the highest level. Right? You've heard me say that. And isn't mm -hmm. it cool that it's... It was doing that. It's doing it. Who would have thought? It's doing it. That doesn't make any logical sense whatsoever. No, but I knew it was going to happen. I could. F I was 100% convinced that it was going to happen. And it's happening. But it's going to keep going that direction. So next year will be even better. The year after, I bet, will be even better. If I can start to... Especially once I have my own facility... And if I'm living at a facility, that facility, I will be, there's no excuse. I'll be able to ride all the time. And I won't have that. Like, did I have a preseason this year? Yes. But before that preseason <laughs> was months and months and months of nothing, downtime, riding people's bikes at classes and stuff. Sure. But if I can eliminate that gap of not riding from May through November, May, June, July, August, September, October. That's six to seven months of time where people are doing this and separating themselves from me. Mm -hmm. And then I have to close that gap. That was the that was the whole theme of my preseason. 
with Jet Hunter and Chance is like, guys, I'm, I'm closing that gap. But if I can just keep that gap where it's at or close to it over the off season, and then in the preseason start a little earlier, and then I'm not, you know, rebuilding from ground zero, that will be compounding momentum as well. I want cool. you to do one more month at the compound. You want what? I want oh, you to do th- this year? I want you to do one more month. Go to May. Just do April. Why not? Well, why not is we're not going to be in this apartment anymore. But Yeah, but you're going to be in Florida. Unless yeah, that's changed. My drives, What's your my weekly drives, update? <laughs> yeah, well, my drive's going to go from one hour to three hours, which it's still doable. <laughs> I can get a hotel one night a week and, you know, stay there. It's going to become really way more difficult. hours? I thought it was two hours. No, it's going, it's two, Naples is two hours from here. I'm already an hour from yeah. the dog pound. I'm going to be three. Maybe a little less, but not much less. That's a long ways. Uh, is there a supercross track down there? Anywhere? No, there's nothing. The closest thing I have from my brief research was Moto Bros. Uh. Is like an hour, uh. hour and a half, maybe. Okay, so I have, I have another question for you. Do you feel like we are settling in to where we should be like do you feel like we're fine we're like really finding like our flow here in the season oh for this season yeah i think given the preparation that i've had and i think that uh being a 12th to 18th place guy is probably a, a realistic spot to be. Then qualifying eighth is probably better than preparation or expectation would allow, but not necessarily. I mean, I go pretty fast at the dog pound sometimes. Uh, I just base it on like how much prep I know everybody else has, right? You can't expect to be an eighth place guy in a main event if the eighth place guy in the main event has trained four times as much as you have in the last 18 months it's just that's not an excuse but it's just trying to be somewhat realistic so that i can remain positive about my situation i think given my preparation and where i'm at we're doing we're in we're we're doing well we're we're right kind of where Unreal. Name that sound. I'm gonna go. Cha- I'm gonna go challenger this time. It is a challenger. <laughs> two for two. Let's go. Wow. <laughs> a black challenger. Horrible rev matching and everything. Like what okay. a tool what? bag. What? Oh, do he's in. He's what in full. Do you t- he, he's entered tool bag mode. Could you actually gain anything? Like any self confidence no. or guys? Happiness? I'm telling you. Nobody cares about your car other than you. So save your money, buy something comfortable. Yeah. Buy some, buy something that gets good gas mileage. I'm a big Camry guy myself. Love buy my something Camry. that's got a good infotainment system, a big screen with Apple CarPlay is, is pretty critical to have. Uh, maybe a good sound system. Even Allie, I bought Allie that 
she we got her a 2022 Mercedes AMG GLE 53, which is like a very expensive, fast SUV. Who cares? It's not cool. Nobody cares. We don't care. In fact, my Nissan Titan's way better. <laughs> yeah, you're selling that car, right? Yeah, trying to. The problem is it's not a good investment. We're going to lose a lot of money, which is fine because it's all a tax write-off. So it is what it is. It doesn't matter. Uh, you know, it would I be guess. a good investment. Buying another Sprinter van? Yes, sir. And then <laughs> selling your current one to me. <laughs> but, but yeah, eventually. It'll eventually happen. Oh, it's but, never going to happen. But guys, if there's any cars to not buy... It is a Challenger, a Charger, and a Ford Mustang, and I am sorry if you're listening to this and you have one, but if you do, put a quiet exhaust on it. I, I mean, we're all passionate about things, right? Like, we love dirt bikes. I like having a clean dirt bike, but I'm not And those not are cars that people going, probably... You know? Like... Yeah. <laughs> Anywho. Yeah. Okay. Especially in a city when it's just ricocheting and reverberating through <laughs> at three in the morning oh yeah okay anywho uh as you were about <laughs> settling into by the way though yes i've been receiving positive feedback on the background noises and our reaction to the background noises i i don't i i, I know that sounds weird i agree but <laughs> but i'm okay with it yeah i'll take i'll take it well yeah that's cool yeah, I don't know, dude. I've been having one of those days today where I feel like the future is bright. Like, I, I feel like we're oh, in the good. right direction. We're going the right direction. Um, content's good. The, the, the vision's good. The podcasts are getting better. Um, the sport's the team, in a good place. The, the team's, team's operating really smoothly. There, team's there hasn't great. been any, really, any real hiccups yep. as of late. Yep. Um, it's just been good. I don't know. I, I, I think we're in a good spot. Um. <laughs> you gotta be kidding me, dude. Way to ruin a moment, Unreal. huh? Unreal. <laughs> Somebody almost got hit walking across the street is what that was. Oh, dude, when I got picked up from the airport yesterday, there was a nice little fender bender right in the line. How you know often what I, do you feel that way? What? That things are going well? Yeah. Um, well, I like to think... And do you, like, feel it? I, like, feel it. I feel it now. I feel it today. I'm just... I'm... Okay. I'm... I... You know, I'm always grateful, right, for just everything that's going on. I couldn't be more honored to be, like, a part of this, like, a part of the podcast. I... I, I, I love meeting new people. Um, I truly... I truly believe, you know, like actually last night, this sounds very weird and pretentious maybe, but I went and watched my Fox video last night. Uh -huh. um, there was like a, there's a Christian uh, film festival that's happening and I was wondering if there was anything that I could submit. Um, like I was asked from the national office of my denomination to submit something. And I was just looking through old videos to see what would be, what would be good to potentially, um, send in or whatever and I was just watching the Fox video and I was like man it's like we are just uh, it doesn't make any sense right it doesn't make any sense that I'm in this position to where I I'm the kid I'm the kid who's I like I still want to meet Adam Cincerillo <laughs> like I, <laughs> I, I 
I'm the kid, you know, and and we get to and now those people come to me, right? And that's because we're a part of the podcast. That's because of Pro versus Am. That's because of um, all this stuff. And it's just like I I think for me, I know it's gonna be done one day. One day I'm going to be looking back at this, right? Like one day we're going to look back at 2020. What year is it? Two or three? Well, I don't even know what year. It I is. don't want to interrupt. Yeah. I don't think so. I think that the goal would be to not be in that situation. I think it's nice to reflect back on it, of course, because it's just it's amazing and it's fun to see what you've accomplished. But I think the great thing about what we're doing is it has the longevity to go with us for a long time. I guess the racing specific part with us being directly involved in this way. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That's going to come but, and go. So, but also like, you know, it's like, this is going to change. It's going to be different. We're going to be, yeah. So we're something like that happened. in charge of the industry. I have, I talk about this a lot, probably. I don't know if I talk about it publicly, but so I have status on United Airlines now. I've had it. This is my second year of having status with them, which means you get free upgrades. You get, um, you know, priority bag checks. So your bags come out first. You get a bunch of different things. Uh, every single I take four planes a week. OK, two on the way out, two on the way back because I have to connect everywhere. Ever since I got status on one plane, every single trip, I've gotten upgraded to first class to Detroit and back. I was three for four which has never happened. I got Ooh. upgraded three flights out of four. Um, but even even that for me, like I'm sitting up in first class that I didn't pay for with a bunch of people that probably paid $1,000 to be sitting in that seat. And I look at that and I'm like, this is crazy. Like you never think about flying first class. It's just like those little moments for me where I'm just like three planes out of four. I'm sitting in first class, you get you know, glassware, you get treated better, you get more help, like you get more f different food options, different drink options. You're like sitting in a couch, like, and even little moments like that, I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. Like I didn't earn this, you know, like, or I don't deserve this, that's for sure. And it's, it's just, I don't know. It's just, it's just epic. And it's really else, important to have those moments frequently. The more frequently you can have those moments, I feel like it, creates more of all of the good things yeah i've been having those moments all the time lately yeah. and well, what i a lot of like what i'm reading talks about how it literally that change when you feel that that's why i asked if you feel it when i start to think that way i will feel different yes yes i do I feel, feel like i could i feel like i could like float yeah, yeah, I know. I, I know what sense? you're talking about. We're, oddly enough, yes, you, I yeah. and I feel that every day, and I think that that is a really critical piece to being successful. Like, I think in success is, and when I say success, I mean happiness. Like. And it doesn't have to be flying first class. It doesn't have to be making a million dollars. It could be anything. It could be like with the sun hits you the right way. And you're like, oh, I feel really good right now. Yeah, I don't get that up here. <laughs> uh, but I think for people listening, uh, Cam is good at it. And you have probably always been better at it than me. I'm, I'm getting better. And especially this last year, I'm getting a lot better at it. I, I, I really believe that that's an important piece 
of the puzzle is is thinking that way well and being it's great it's being grateful is what it is a simple yeah. word for it is being grateful i mean personally i definitely i definitely still struggle with getting bogged down during the week uh these edits are hard they're hard we're on a we are on a tight freaking schedule you know what i mean like and i've had a couple weeks this season where I finish the video and I wait, I sleep for four hours and get on a plane and go start from nothing. And that's, that's a hard mental block to get over. Um, I think achieving things is a great feeling. And then when you're just like right at ground zero the next morning, it's like, Oh my gosh, we're doing it again. Like I still struggle with that aspect too. And like, I, I really care a lot about, um, like making people happy and, and just trying to do good work and all that stuff. And it's like, um, you know, a couple weeks ago I had, I didn't edit and screwed up the graphics. Like I screwed up your position after one of the, Oh yeah. yeah. And th it made the video come out way late, like almost a full day late. And I'm just like, Oh, that one change really affected it well, that much. Yeah. Because I, cause like I sent it to you, slept for a few hours, got on a, got in the car and drove to Boston. Yeah. This was right before Daytona. Oh, right, yeah. because I went a day early, so I, in my laptop, takes like f almost four or five times longer to do an export than my computer here. And what happened is I made the quick, I mean, it was an easy change, right? Like I just freaking, like what happened is I, I make a graphic and then I copy that graphic to the next spot. I need the same graphic and change yeah. it. And then right. I go in that domino effect and something happened to where, and this is what happened, because what happened is like, it was a triple crown race. So main event one and main event two, I copied it over. And then when I changed it, I was changing the first main event and not the second, but didn't realize. And that's how I screwed it up, right? Um, but the issue was I'm driving to Boston through a blizzard. I do the change. The change takes me five minutes, right? And then I start the export. And then I have to get on the plane. Export didn't finish. Put it in my bag, open it up on the plane. The hard drive came disconnected, had to start over. I'm like, okay, I do that again on the plane, start it. And then my freaking seat didn't have an outlet, right? So then it fails again because my computer dies. I'm like, oh my gosh. So then I get to Daytona and, or no, I fly into Jacksonville. All this stuff happened, right? And it was just, it was a nightmare. But like that, that like that crushes me when when I, you know, either fall short or whatever. Um, and those moments I need to get better at, because the reality is it's like I made a mistake and everything that l happened after that was just unfortunate timing. <laughs> right. But it came out so <laughs> late and all that stuff. And that that I I don't do super well with. Those are moments where I'm like. Uh, it's like I work so hard and I work so many hours and it still doesn't go right. <laughs> but I just need to get better about that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, certainly don't look at it in that way. But all that to uh, say, but yeah, but that's important I make, to me, right? Like, I'm pretty, you're on point with stuff. I'm, I'm also on point with stuff, but I make mistakes all the time because I have a million things going on. And I guess that's helpful too. Like I do have a million things going on. So when something goes wrong, I don't have time to reflect on. I can learn quickly from what went wrong and know how to implement and make sure it doesn't happen again. And then I'm just, okay, keep going. Well, yes, but 
Yeah, but I mean, same. How do you? I, yeah, I like. Right, I have to edit but, a podcast and then three clips and then do all this yeah. stuff too, and then all that falls behind. It's a whole thing. Anywho, so I'm getting better at that. But all that to say, yeah, dude, it's it's just crazy. It's just crazy what we get to do, and I I swear I'll never take it for granted. But yeah, I'm yeah. that kid, dude, and it's, it's just so special to. And I think what is so funny, and I don't know, I I, I really do my best, like. During the week when we come home from races, it's like I am full throttle. Like I, I literally, I'm just editing all, all day, every day, trying to get everything done. Um, but there's three priorities, right? See Grady, see my parents, and see my friends. I try to do that every week. Unfortunately, my friends usually don't happen because <laughs> I run out of time. But I try to see yeah. Grady. I try to see my parents. I try to see my friends. Um, and I think what's so like what I love and what is good is, you know, I work at the church and, and I have my friends and they just don't give a rip about anything I'm doing. Like nobody, I'm, I'm just still me, you know? And it's like, yeah. Um, and that's nice. And I think that's, yeah, I think it's nice. And I think it's helpful. And I think it's, it's, and it just makes it fun. Right. Because, um, it, I have a lot of people at home that definitely help me remember, like, I don't deserve any of this. And to not take it for granted, right? I'm nobody. Like, I'm literally nobody. I am a dude from middle of nowhere in Vermont who likes cameras and who likes dirt bikes, right? Like, I don't... And I'm going to get on a flight on Friday and go hang out with Jet Lawrence all day and then fly back. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't make any sense, you know? Um, so I'm just grateful, you know? I'm just I'm just grateful to be a part of it. And yeah, uh, You can do whatever the heck you want. Ah, uh, dude, I just... Yeah, kind of cool. Can we make Drive to Survive then? If we can do anything we want, yeah, um, we're going to. I think we can. I have an idea. I, I need to talk to you about. It. I I think we can. Um, sure. Why not? There's a way. I, there's might there's as well. I like how that's become a, a bit of a theme of the season too with mechanic Dan. Yes. Might as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, like I thought that. you meant being grateful, but yeah, no. No. He's, he, I like the might as well mentality. Yeah. Hey, yeah, I'm gonna get a sixth place in the heat race. He's like, yeah, I mean, sure, I'm might. cool with that. Yeah, <laughs> let's <laughs> do it. Might as well. We're already here. <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah, we we got here. Like, let's just just do it then. Um, hey, because every time he says that or I say that, I think to myself like, yeah, that's true. Might as well. Yeah. Oh my god, dude. That's a bit more com complex, confusing sound. What is that one? I don't know what that one is. I have no guesses. That was a charger again. That was a charger again. It was See, just further away, and it maybe was a V6 charger or something. You know what's funny about Vermont is it's Can a, you believe that every time it's actually a charger, challenger, or Mustang? Yes, yes, yes. That is insane. I can believe it. What's funny in Vermont is it's always a slammed WRX every time <laughs> with gold rims. <laughs> And I I like the rumble of a WRX though. I think it sounds nice. Dude, my buddies is still sweet. annoying if you're being obnoxious about it, but it's a better sounding car. It's just because uh, it's just probably a less obnoxious sounding car. I want a honestly. Tesla that doesn't make any noise. Ali's car sounds quite good. Yeah, I will say, but still um, annoying if you're not in it. We're we're hot on the path to make the longest podcast ever again. But <laughs> we we oh, we really uh, we got to talk about Deegan. Okay, we got to talk about Plessinger. Um, and I got a flood of questions this week that yeah. are really, really good. Well, like, what 
When do you... Yeah, never mind. What? I was going to suggest making a second podcast this... this what, but that won't be possible. Well, here's the deal. We go into a break now, right? Like next week, oh, I'm yeah. tied up. The week after that and the week after that, we got to make some... We, we should double up. Okay, um, cool. Kenny Day is down, by the way. Oh, good. I asked him this weekend. Uh, he would we be have, a great guest. He's going to be a great guest. We have some cool ideas, everybody. We have some cool ideas. So Okay, so guide us here. What, who are we talking about first? Yeah, see, uh, just we're going to have some cool podcasts here in the near future. But, um, well, let's go in order. Let's, let's talk D and let me get... Now, I'm just going to forewarn everybody listening and cameraman mm -hmm. Cam. I haven't watched the race. Okay. I'm going to show you the race. I, now, I watched the 450 main event in person, and oh, I crud. haven't seen anything. I haven't okay, seen anything on. else. I need to get... I'm getting I cold. Did I get the press conference ready? I think I did. You're getting cold. You're in the sun, aren't you? No, the, the sun has now gone on top of the building. I'm in the shade. Um... It's literally so. A I got foot a couple a clips. This is the talk of the town right now, as far as who was in the wrong, who was in the right. Deegan versus Smith. I have a couple things that I want to point out to you that I think haven't been talked about yet. <laughs> okay. Um, I always, by the way, especially if this gets clipped right off the bat, I want to let you guys know that I want Moto Academy and my feedback to always be as objective as possible and to talk about the things that are really important within the situation. So sometimes deciding whose fault it is is less important, although it's it's a some depending on the situation, it might just make sense to talk about and describe whose fault <laughs> that a certain, you know, something is how it's playing out. But I don't like, to a certain extent, and we'll talk about this at some point as well, the media has to do what the media does, I guess, which is dramatize and hype up situations, which is then annoying to the riders. I don't want to come off ever in that way. I always want to try and talk about it with our personal twist and what I can add, which hopefully is more value added than reporting dramatically on a situation without any real something to talk about. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Because I hate jumping on or piggybacking on topics that are sort of the hot topic or popular thing going on. I, I never want to talk about it unless I have something good to add. It's so hopefully I have something good to add here. Well, it's interesting that you brought that up because I have a couple things that I want to point out. And, but here's the deal, right? We are not the news. There are people for that. Right. Uh, we're just here to honestly have fun and talk about stuff that's going on. You know what I mean? What are, so, what are we here for? What, I, I don't know. All right, let's watch what happened. We don't know. Pause it. Oh, my. Oh, we want to pause it already, dude? We. What? <laughs> Can you give me a rewind? Oh, good. Jordan God. Smith's entry speed in these whoops sick dude so the key to these whoops really and i don't know if he did it in this situation or not you had to get a double upshift and, and hit them in fifth if you really wanted to reach mach 5 next level speed you, you had to go fifth gear to try and lower the rpms a little bit the whoop faces were so steep 
that you would start creating so much wheel spin and your RPMs would get so high, even in fourth gear, that you'd begin to lose speed by the time you're six whoops in. Uh, all of what Jordan Smith does here to catch up is done before the first whoop and on the first couple of whoops. Like, watch that speed launching oh, in. Oh, man. Yeah, that was a great pass. Now, real quick, shout out. AJ Cat, eighth place. Sick. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, he came in, came in hot. Yeah. I mean, those MTF guys in the past have always known how to hit whoops because if you learned with Colleen Millsaps, I don't think she trains their Supercross guys anymore. Colleen, and that's who I learned how to hit whoops with, Colleen was like a, the tyrant of the whoop section. She was so scary to learn learn whoops with. All right, talk me through this. Whoops. Yeah. Okay, fair play. Fair. Don't, don't try and pass a guy on the outside. This... <laughs> interesting fine F okay with that that that's what pissed him off and that's what would have pissed me off probably which then again oh uh now keep, keep replaying that because i want to i haven't really seen this yet there's so many wow that whoop speed was great because deegan yes. hit them really well too yes he did that's fair fair play totally fair this what do you think about this that's fine i think so too yeah. Yep. Cut under. Also, fine. This is cool to watch. Hit him a little hard there, maybe. Yep. But low speed of enough of a section where I'm okay with all of that. I agree. Simply because... Would I have been furious if I was Jordan Smith? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> of course. But I'm I'm okay with all of it. I, I now, mean... That's do you racing. think something happened? Do you think something happened midweek? Like, do you think okay. this, this okay, is Deegan? We're gonna okay. get to that. <laughs> We're gonna get to that because something happened in the press conference that nobody's talked about yet. Oh, that has something to do with Nate Thrasher's face when they're oh. talking about it. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, but I mean, look at this. Like, Deegan slows up. Great. Then yep, Jordan hit him does there the same on the thing. Exit of the turn, look at, but didn't. He's looking right at him. He's like, "Ooh, what you gonna do?" And and Jordan Smith's feeding into it here because look at the the line that Jordan Smith re, uh, slowly go forward with it from here. Jordan Smith's not heading the correct direction if he's trying to defend that corner. What, no. Where's where's Jordan Smith going? Yeah, what is, what that was actually kind of a silly move. Like you know what I mean? Yeah. Like what is he expecting to happen entering with that much space? I, I say this on every single breakdown. If you want to protect a corner, you are, you should have your foot peg up against that tough block on the entry. And that's where Deegan's going. Jordan Smith leaves three bike lengths to his left side. So he, yeah, and, and now breaking this down, I guess he should have probably expected that to have had happened. And maybe as we say all this, maybe Jordan Smith was totally fine with all of it. Did anybody take this into account yet? Has he said anything? I don't, not that I've heard. Did anybody witness a fist fight at the Star Rig after the race? No. Like for all, all we know, yeah. there's no drama to be had. But and look, and look at the actual crash. Like that's not on Deegan. Now, but you can see, yeah. So what happened? Rewind. Yep. Well, we're gonna we're, we're not gonna talk about less about maybe. Keep going back. Sorry. Right here. Okay. Impact. Impact. Blood red mad furious. Yes. Jordan Smith. <laughs> seeing red instantly completely infuriated 
because there was there was no way he was passing him back in this right-handed turn. He was not close enough to do anything but try to make contact, and he wasn't even close enough to really do that. So, yeah, he, of course, and Jordan Smith would say this in a in a heartbeat. He he shouldn't have reacted out of emotion right there because that's ultimately what put him to the ground. He's very smart. He knows that. Uh, and it happens. And you want to know what? I probably would have done the same thing. Do you know how mad I would have been with that impact in the left-hand turn? Oh, and there's so many, there's so many storylines, right? Where it's like, I had you in the whoops. Why'd you slow up in the corner before? I mean, yeah, of course you're just, you're heated and acting out yeah. of emotion right here. Yeah. And it's, and that's what Hunter was alluding to in the press conference, which we'll listen to. Yep. So it all makes sense. Deegan did a good job of defending that. You know, notice what he did also is Deegan didn't sit and put his foot out. He kind of stood up and almost braced for impact. Yeah. Right. Now, here's what I want to point out. Use your ears for a second. This is what I think set up everything for failure. Listen to. What, you, name that sound. What is it? I don't know. What is that one? Oh, that was an Infinity, also a very annoying vehicle to listen to. <laughs> okay, um, so listen to what Carmichael says. Blink and mouse. Oh, oh. oh what? wow. What okay, is... okay, so Jeremy Martin says thank you. Uh, RC, what was that? Yeah, that was too much. I'm not sure if something's going on between these two, but for teammates, that is way over the line. Way over the line. Well. Okay, tell me. Is it too much? Okay, so so now Carmichael's talking out of a team manager's perspective. Yeah, if I'm the team manager, I'm angry with that. A hundred percent. I'm angry with all of it. I'm angry with Deegan hitting him when it probably wasn't a hundred percent necessary. I'm angry with Jordan making the decision to try to get him back and then ending up on the ground because now we're not going to have a guy. Now we have a guy going to the LCQ. Yeah, I understand, to be honest, I understand all of it and everybody's individual perspective. And I think, honestly, if, if you can, if anybody in just life, actually, we're going to do a little life lesson here, Cam. Okay, if you can uh, learn to treat situations like that, that happen in your life objectively and try and see it from every single person's point of view, you might not judge it as harshly or you might not judge it at all. That's why when I watch this, I sometimes I struggle to form an opinion because I don't really have one. Yeah, and that's, a lot of the time you don't need an opinion. Yeah, right? I mean honestly, if you don't have an opinion, that's probably better. Do I <laughs> do was what Carmichael just said wrong? No, not really. No, but do I heart? Do I firmly fall on his side of what he said? No, and I bet you Carmichael doesn't firmly fall on his side, or maybe he does. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I mean, like, <sighs> it's you want to know what though. We're talking about it. And you want to know what that means? It was entertaining. Right. Yes, it was very entertaining. So, great. As long as it's not overtly, obviously, uh, vindictively dirty, or, or not dirty, dangerous, then that's, that's where the line should be drawn. If you're really going to harm somebody in a big way, that's where the line should be drawn. Playful contact like that. Could it hurt somebody? Yes, but there's probably higher risk things 
happening on the track, I don't think that's where the line is drawn. I think I'm okay with all of this. Okay, this conversation- It's, it's entertaining. This conversation is going exactly where I want it to. Um, fast forward, <laughs> Smith uh, falls. Lost his visor? Yeah, it smoked okay. himself in the whoops. Did you see that crash? Wait, what? This is something different? Yeah, this is in the heat race. This is why he didn't make, make it through. So this is in the heat race. Oh yeah, because when he got up from the Deegan thing, he was still in front of me. <gasps> Where? You didn't oh. see that? No. Yeah, great and then, camera work. And then uh, he's out. I didn't didn't he goes to the LCQ? Hey, real quick shout out to Brock Pappy. Uh, Poppy Pappy, don't know how to say it. Oh, holy cow! Fourth place. Yes, huh? I think he ended up getting fifth. Wow. He he was right in front of me at the beginning of that heat, and I had the immediate thought of this is the first person I have to pass because I'll be going faster. But he rode extremely well in the heat, and I think he rode extremely well in the main event too. Uh, he's been doing well lately. So re rewind, show me that clip again. All right, let's see the crash this, again. This was potentially uh, this was a pretty bold move on Jeremy. Uh, Jeremy, what the heck is his name? On Jordan, Jordan. Smith's <laughs> name. <laughs> Uh, part anyways, good lord, I can't even. You're trying to go three wide in the whoops. Jake Owen, Jake Owen, the country star, getting passed on the left side of the whoops. Uh, oh, that's so loud, pause it. Um, that was risky. Going, trying to go three ride and whoops, especially those type of whoops, risky. He was trying to also do it on like the last two whoops, going into the outside, placing him in the outside of a corner, and you're already in transfer spot. Risky, now, a risky. I, I listen. Jordan Smith, LCQ, incredible race. Stalls it. Oh um, yeah. Stalls yeah. it, dead last, comes back, almost gets fourth and last corner. A lot of heart, and he's always shown that. I mean. I like Jordan a lot. He's and talented. I don't like the word talent. A lot of skill. A lot of bike skill. Yeah. He's good. Great it LCQ. Was an, it was an entertaining LCQ. Yeah, I mean, wicked. Didn't make uh, it happen in the last corner. Interesting decision in the last turn. I don't know if I would have tried to do what he did in the last turn, but that's e right. easy to say in hindsight. And I'm sure I'll break that down at some point. But yeah, he was riding extremely well. Yeah, I mean, if you want to see real quick. He came from so far back. 16th? So what happened? Right, How did he get right 16th? Corner. Well, look, he stalls it right here. And classic Yamaha, the bike doesn't start. <laughs> oh, my God. How did he come back from that? Dude, I know. Insane. <gasps> How is that even is, possible? This is last corner, bottom right. Wow. Good on Chambers. He handled that perfectly. Well, he did exactly what he needed to do. Yeah, exactly. Smith didn't make... I don't, I what, don't know why uh, he did Rewind that. and put me through that slowly from like the landing of the dragons, if you can. Okay. So, what... what uh, pause it right there. What Jordan needed to do is... he in On the right, you're, he's in the perfect spot. You want to charge for the outside and you want to, honestly, you want to kind of bluff. You want to charge the outside so fast that you make the person on the inside think for a second that you're going to go to the outside because what you need the person on the inside to do is give you room. 
And the only way they're going to give you room if they're smart is if you bluff them into a situation where they're forced to go a little faster and then they end up overshooting their defense area. And then what you have to do for Jordan here is you have to bluff quickly and then you have to make that split second decision to cut under and hope that you have some room under him because I, I don't see another way to make a pass in this situation the last turn. So go forward a little bit more right here. You, that's the room you'd be working with. So, and you can fit a bike there on the inside of chambers. It's not easy, but you have the upper hand going into that last turn being behind somebody, I think. Yeah. Um, again. I don't know what he thought he was going to be able to do with that outside there. Yeah, I just, I don't know, whip around maybe, it, I Maybe guess. he thought that Jack was just going to roll the inside of the turn right. completely, and he was just going to rail right around him. Bummer. Bummer. But well done by Jack, and, and shout out to uh, Chambers as well. I think that this is his first main this whole season. Is that true? I have no idea. He's been riding solid. He's been qualifying well. Uh, he doesn't look out of control. I think he could use maybe a little practice with me in the whoops. He, I, I, Every time I get around him in the whoops, he makes a mistake. I don't know if that's coincidence or if he's just needs to improve in the whoops a little bit. But everywhere else, he's been he's looked really, really good. And he should have been in a main multiple times this season. Okay. Yeah. Can we get to the point of this conversation? Sorry. Yep. <laughs> um, okay. So here's press conference. Press conference was, I think, the interesting part of this whole conversation. Okay. Uh, I imagine this is Hayden being really nervous. Just the way he's talking. <laughs> right. Okay. Press conference. Uh, his laugh. I think he's nervous. Um or but, emotionally driven as well. He could be just irritated. Uh, I, I've listened to a short clip of this. I don't know if I'm going to hear things right now that I haven't heard yet, but I'll, I'll let you play it first. Before yeah, I, but I mean, here's the deal, right? It's like, you know they debriefed walking up to this pr press conference saying, this is the only thing you're going to be asked about. Like, Well, maybe not. Maybe not. I can't imagine <laughs> Brian would let that happen, but maybe not. Anyway. Uh, maybe not. There's not much time in between the race and... Well, for the 250 guys... Why, are you saying that what Deegan's about to say here or respond with wasn't the best response? No. Oh. I'm okay. just... Okay, never mind. Here yeah, we go. just play uh, it. Thanks, Dan. Gosh, uh, Hayden, back to you. Uh, you have no regrets on that aggressive racing in a heat race with no points available and knocking your, your teammate out of a championship battle? Uh, Pause it. Also... Before he even responds, the tone of that question felt slightly judgmental and condescending. Okay, this is the only thing I want to talk about. Okay. Is the guy asking the question. But let's listen to it. Okay. Yeah, I think he's in like fifth in points. I, he's a little out of it, but uh, besides that, I mean, it was, it was good. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure. Thrasher's reaction. <laughs> Uh, well, a lot of people were, and that's the thing is we're just kind of wondering if you say you, you don't remember that. It's a, it's a heat race. Were you present in that moment saying this doesn't matter for points and this is my teammate or you, it was he was just another rider? Pause it. The, la the, that, the actual question part of that is great, and it's actually a good question. Mm -hmm. I, I think, again, the uh, interviewer, was a little even maybe more so condescending and judgmental in that response. 
Okay, so let's just start right? talking so now, about it. Now, now if I'm a writer, you know what? You know what? You want to know what I'm doing? If I'm one of these guys right What's now. That? And this is this is where I'm still a little weak-minded here, and the, the ego still exists. I would be like, okay, now I'm going to make this guy look silly. <laughs> okay, wait, wait, let me. That's what I would think. Okay, but here's the deal. Here's my here's my point in all of this. Okay, but he just he his tone was like L- me. I, his tone was a little bit let me, questionable. Let me get there. Let me get there. <laughs> Do you listen to press conferences often? I don't listen to. I oh, don't of course see not. Anything. Let yeah. me tell you what happens in press conferences. Our sport, the journalists of the sport, are very monotone. Every every question is very monotone. Like, this question was very unusual in the tone hmm. that it was asked. Oh, okay. Okay. Our sport has always had a good, like, um, everything sounds a, a pretty darn objective. Like, of course you're going to have outliers in that, but I would say overall... Objective journalists, of, obje- like like very good. Now, all of a sudden, you have a reporter, and I'm sure he's a great dude. Like I don't know who would, I don't even know who asked the question. Okay, but I was like, man, that sounds like a CNN reporter, huh? The way oh, that he asked, it was very unusual, very biased. Um, it was very that was strange. That was so now not as surprised that Hunter steps in here because yes, the the Lawrence family is very tuned in and sensitive to. Uh, they think that they don't like when they hear negative comments about dirty riding. They are very much like, leave us alone, let us see what we're gonna do. Not that the Jet and Hunter are not, I, neither of them are dirty riders at all, but they very much have that mindset of like, let the guys do what they're going to do. It Stop didn't complaining. make it, this, all this to say this question, the tone of this question was very, I felt like very unusual. Um, it was clearly biased. It was clearly, it, it felt like I was watching the news and I've never seen that before. Hmm. Well, maybe that could have been the guy's goal, I wonder. But here's my question to you. If so, he did a good job because what are we doing? We're, we're talking about it. We're, here's my we're question talking to about you. it. Here's my question to you. Is that type of reporting good or bad? If it's balanced with somebody else that is equally as <laughs> subjective and judgmental on the other end of the spectrum with a different opinion. I think if if you want an inter, an entertaining press conference, you want the objective questions, you want the mindful questions, you want the really subjective uh, judgment opinion based questions that lie on one end, and then you want them on the complete opposite end. So that way, you, you don't want it, uh, a press conference to drive an agenda and be too narrow minded or, or only following one theme. Uh, as long as they're balanced, am I making sense? Yes. Yeah, as long as they're balanced with a lot of different opinions to then give people a chance to sort of pick where they may or end up where they end up. Yeah, so I think that's good. I think that's good reporting if, as long as he's not the only dude that asks the questions in that way because then then he just sounds like an a-hole. <laughs> <laughs> right. right? It, yeah. It, 
oh, it was just weird. I need to listen to more press conferences and see what these questions are like. I should also, should we attend the press conferences and have me or you ask questions? I don't want to be a reporter. Wait, but oh, we don't have to report. We could just <laughs> go in and... Can I freaking moderate these things? Do, do, who moderates them? Uh, Dan does. Dan Hubbard. Daniel Blair? Dan Hubbard does. Oh, oh. Daniel Blair, I feel like, would be I, No, good, I feel like Dan Blair... If he's done a couple, I don't know. It's one of them. They, I need to listen to more This one was Dan I am Hubbard. so cold, I can't even sit still, dude. That's so uh, strange. Okay, I am so sorry, people listening. Let's listen to the rest uh, of the it, interview. I mean, here. he's my teammate, but he's a he's a veteran. He's been in the sport for a while, and uh, you know, I was just up there, you know, battling. I want to win just as bad as everyone else, no matter if it's a heat race uh, or main. I want to win, so uh, just trying to push that. Good answer. Let's touch on this for one second. I think I just uh, wanted to point something out, which kind of it I love amazes Hunter. me. <laughs> I do so too. much of the people on social media where everyone puts their you know expertise in say oh the racing back in the 90s early 2000s like they were where men were men they always talk about how gnarly it was and then anytime a block pass or something happens now everyone cries about it it's that's just kind of a bit interesting it's either you know pick one you either want the gnarly block passes from 10 years ago and then when you get it everyone makes a big song and dance about it so that's my perspective you know i think it's uh it's a bit funny how that works I agree. <laughs> Pause it. Okay. You know who would get along probably really well? Who? I I think the Deegans I think Deegan would get along well with the Lawrences. I think that they have the same mindset. But that's a different topic entirely. Uh <laughs> in, entertaining and I like I Deegan's response was hilarious. Hunter just made a great point. Thrasher didn't really respond yet. Right, my question Continue. was about teammates in a heat race when it comes to non-points paying in, in a championship battle. That's kind of my, my reaction. If this was in a main main event, going for the win, I don't think there'd be this kind of reaction. I guess the, the big reaction from fans was a surprise of teammates getting to that point, especially for a heat race. Interesting <laughs> that none of them responded. Yeah. I would have continued to respond. Does Hunter say something else, though? Doesn't well, he? Yeah, hang on. Hayden's like, Hunter, cool question, you know, man. Ahead, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't know you are talking to me. Yeah, for sure. But, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. Take what you want. Everyone's easy to point the finger. You know, we're out there making decisions at uh, split millisecond, you know. People have all month to pay their phone bill, and they still can't do that on time. So we're making decisions at, you know such a fast reaction adrenaline you know and and everyone everyone not just saying it for me or hayden or speak for all the guys you know no one's perfect and we're under a microscope out there so uh the media is really quick to point the finger when someone makes a mistake uh pause it what great answer i think what interviewers have to remember or just people watching this have to remember as well these aren't just really fast people on dirt bikes they're really high level you know just in the way that they think and operate extremely high level so for anybody to judge and think that they would react better in a high pressure high adrenaline moment they are so wrong <laughs> because and Allie laughs at me all the time I always say I'm the best driver she'll ever be in the car with because of the way that I could react to a situation that's playing out in real time because I've just been thrown into so many life-threatening 
situations on a dirt bike where I've had to react and, and handle things. Uh, it's that's what Hunter's saying there. It's like, listen, dude, we are making decisions like that, right? That you guys can sit here and talk about in hindsight for hours and hours, but we are making that decision in real time. And guess what? We're doing it way better than you ever could. So yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, and that that was well said by Hunter. Yeah, this is super entertaining. I, I just, love this. I, it's so. I, I thought it was so cool, right? Like for Hunter to stick up for really Hayden. Really cool. And really I mean, cool. it's like there. There's a lot of integrity there that. You know, because like you could just like let Hayden get blasted. Yeah. You know, point. and I don't know. This is an opinion. Take it for what you will. Don't I mean, come after me if you want. Whatever. I don't care. Um, I think the whole thing was blown up a bit more than it should have. Uh, the the tone and the question was annoying to me. I don't care how you feel about Hayden. The dude's killing it. Like, I don't think anybody can disagree with that. Um and race that, it was a great that does race show the character of uh hunter yes it does and that yeah, that's the biggest that's cool. thing it shows like um man yeah and it's so like great that. to to be partnered with those guys because they're good they're just they're good dudes you know mm -hmm. hunter's a great dude they have a great, really Jet's good awesome the whole family has a really good um moral compass yeah they they navigate things really well uh, and what I will say too is getting in my conversations with old man Deegs <laughs> same thing there's a common theme there with the and I don't know if he was always that way because at least his character that he played as the metal militia freestyle guy you would not guess that he would be that type of open minded highly intelligent individual but that very well could have been all dramatized and played up to be as um, attention grabbing as it was back in his day is what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know what I mean? Being that crazy freestyle guy, I would have guessed that he was just a madman. Right. Like, you know. That was the role. Thrill seeker. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but know. he is uh, in both Dazzy, Emma, Jed and Hunter's parents, um, and Brian Deegan have the same mentality in that they are, it's like growth mindset. They learn, all they do is learn, that's it. That's how they look at every situation is how can I learn? And they pass that down to Hayden, to Jet, to Hunter. And I just think it creates a, a good, well-rounded individual, not just a dirt bike rider. Yes, yeah, I mean, yeah, they got something but, special. Dude, Super entertaining. So did this end there or what? Uh, well, I, if you were wondering what Nate Thrasher has to say about it. However, of course, going back to the storyline of the night is kind of you and Jordan in heat race. Um, can you walk us through it from your perspective and at the end of it, being able to review and look back on it, does it still just fall as a racing incident for you or? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't even know what happened. I wasn't paying attention really. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was good. Uh, it was good racing, you know? It's fun, so I don't know. Yeah, I just had some fun doing it. <laughs> Did um, afterwards, you know, watch get back to the hauler? Have you guys discussed it at all internally uh, from a team standpoint? And was there anything for management that they pointed out? Or was it pretty much, you know, have you guys even gone to that point? Uh, yeah, it was, it was all cool. It's just racing. 
It was so funny to watch Thrasher's face because it said the exact opposite of what Hayden was saying. <laughs> Wait, and replay that last part one more time. Let me watch Hayden's face as he says it. Meant that they pointed out, or was it pretty much, you know, have you guys even gone to that point? Uh, yeah, it was it was all cool. It's just racing. <laughs> yep. Jamie? <laughs> hmm. I mean, he looked slightly insecure as he was saying that, too. I mean, there's I, nothing we can do with that other than speculate, but I just thought it was kind of funny to yeah. watch, you know. Um, I mean, they're not going to feed into the the drama and say, oh, yeah, matter of fact, I, he did take me out this week. <laughs> right, right. You're right. <laughs> you, matter of fact, I mean? yeah, we actually had a fist fight. And had a yeah, leg. matter of fact. Who knows? Um, took our gloves off and oh, do I not beat have? each other up. I think Dude, this is Thrasher's response. so cold out here. Quick question just for Nate. Nate, uh, Hunter kind of weighed in a little bit on the situation with uh, Hayden and Jordan in the heat race. Did you have any Ooh. comments about that? Do you kind of feel the same way Hunter does about the racing? Or Good question. Was Look there at anything kind of you wanted to say? Uh, yeah, I, I don't have any comment. Thank you. Oh. Oh. Well, we'll end on that note. Now, there is uh, nothing we can do with that other than speculate, but I found it fun to watch. I was just wow. like, ooh, what's happening here? <laughs> like, you know, but. Huh. Oh, you know what, though? Hmm. Mm. I want to be careful in what I say because this is a total assumption. Does that draw a picture, a little bit of the team energy, maybe, at star yamaha i mean it has that's to. A, that's a big deal and you know you want to know what jet and hunter and dazzy talk about on a daily basis mm -hmm. is how grateful they are that it doesn't even feel like a team it feels like a family at honda yes. that's how they described it hey when we i know that firsthand when i'm at mm -hmm. honda and i do too the boys are hanging out chase the Lawrence's chance when he was there they're hanging out talking about nothing right before the heat race or you know, like the, yeah. Chase's dad, Kier, I think is his first name. It shoots the shit with Dazzy on, you know, uh, Chevy engines and cars. And they just hang out. And it's not like fake talk. It's like deep conversation because they love cars type of conversation. Like the whole, it's the mechanics, Christian. Dude, Christian and Cameron may yeah, as well awesome. be related. I've never. It's, right. They're so like I, I didn't. I and don't that's know what to important. Do, with yeah. do you know how important it is for like us to have our small Moto Academy team when we're at the races? That's not. That's just that on a bigger scale. You can't have uh, negative things happening between the riders, between crew members. Like everybody's got to be in harmony there. Uh, and that felt weird. That, that felt a little odd. Can't do anything but speculate, so we're not going to draw any conclusions yeah. or say anything's happening. But yeah, it was, uh, it was very... But I will, what I will say is if that's the... Fun to watch. If that is the case, as a rider and as a parent of a rider, you, you, that's something you keep an eye on, obviously. That's an important part. You, picking a, the, the right team... Yeah, I want to be extremely careful. Yeah, because well, we're just even, we're speculating and just, we have no idea what we're talking about. Yeah, but anywho, it, it was it's so weird because it's like I don't know. I just think it was 
This entertaining. Is my, I, li I like it. My opinion is it was entertaining. Uh, I think it being blown out of proportion was a little bit try hard. Um, but well, As I shouldn't we blow say try it out hard. of proportion. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I, I just <laughs> no. But it this was, conversation hopefully uh, is maybe right different. Yeah, I think it will be. I think there was a lot of weird things. It was just we're, weird. We're talking about more. We're talking about different things within. No, I'm talking about like I don't know. The reporting was weird. The racing was what it was. I don't really care. I don't care if your teammates. I don't know. I, I like. I thought it was good. Here's the deal. We're in the inter race. Pro racing is the entertainment industry, right? Like. That, that is what it is, and it was all entertaining. It was fun to watch. Um, yeah. It was an interesting weekend from that, with all that happening. It's just interesting. Okay, only, there's only one other thing I want to talk about about Supercross. Okay. Can you guess? I better be my guy. Plessinger? Yeah. <sighs> Let's I, have a, can we have a quick moment of silence for Aaron Plessinger? Let's do it. Can you believe... That he freaking uh, threw it away. Uh, um, but let's hope. And Aaron is an extremely positive what? person. It seems he's gonna just get. He's gonna get some mental momentum from this, and he's gonna do really well in Seattle. Let's. I want to say two things. Podium at least. Oh yeah. I want to. I want to say two things about Plessinger. You described it this way to me. We did a class with him a couple years ago. He was still on a Yamaha at the time. Um, and you use the words, Aaron Plessinger does not know who he is. And I couldn't explain it any better than that. <laughs> I mean, he is just the nicest guy, does not know that he's a pro rider, doesn't like, I mean, he, he is just, I love Aaron Plessinger. Yes, he's the only factory guy that follows me on Instagram, but he's <laughs> also just, um, he's just awesome. So he's not biased. Not biased at all. Um, <laughs> Just, yeah, he's just a great guy. And the other thing I want to say is, like, I mean, his interview that he did right after, shocked that he did that interview, but speaks, speaks a lot it. to character. Loved it. And here's the deal. What an awesome guy to be competing for wins. What an awesome guy. What an, just the best personality, the just awesome character. I... I just couldn't be happier that this, that he's riding so well. You know, we need drive to survive for Supercross. Oh my, Aaron Plessinger, dude! <laughs> I, I mean, so many different personalities. It's so good on the same team. Look at the contrast. Mm -hmm. You know, like I, it just that's all I have to say. Aaron's. I. I There's I, a rich person watching or listening to this. Just get there's rich the people that we'll exist it. in this world. We just need a ten million dollar budget, probably maybe uh, five, maybe more, <laughs> maybe more. If we got to pay the guys, there's a lot <laughs> of riders that we should have in this thing. If and I have I, a rich friend in Dubai, somebody that's struck some oil, and you have ten million dollars burning a hole in we your will, pocket, we will make you the best show ever. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. All, all we need is, we just need the, we need, yes. That's all we, I'll have to say. It's very simple. It is a very simple problem. We just need $10 million. Yes. Easy. You know what, Cam? We'll do it. Yeah. You want to know what I wrote in my book? You wrote a book? 
No, no, I'm going to write a book actually, but not for probably 10 years. Uh, <laughs> What'd you write in your book? But I you wrote a journal. You have a diary. No, no, no. This is just in Think and Grow Rich. I just take notes and write oh, things okay. down right, when I feel it. like I should. That I was going to sell a percentage of the Moto Academy mm-hmm. in 2033 mm-hmm. for $10 million. So the problem is I don't want to wait until 2033 because all my friends will be retired. Yeah. But worst case scenario, I can fund it in 2033 with the percentage of selling Moto Academy. But... <clears throat> people, sorry to cough in the mic. I would like to do it before 2033. Yeah. So if $10 million nice. is burning a hole in your pocket, email me at aj at themotoacademy.com. Thanks. <laughs> or me. Clip Cameron Clip at themotoacademy.com. Yeah, but anyway, back to Plessinger. Um, he wrote Man. so well, dude. Just ticked off every single lap, was pulling away. Chase was catching him at the end, but he had plenty of room. Plenty. Um... He had a really good line in the whoops. He rode well everywhere else, but his whoop speed was what was separating him. Yes. He had a line like going down the middle right. I was going middle left in uh, the main, but there was sort of two options. If you could thread the needle on the middle left, there was a line that was pretty kind of like hollowed out in a sense, and it didn't have any of the hard square edges. But if you went in the wrong spot, I hit the square edge in the corner one lap with my just my rear tire in fifty percent of the field would have been flung into oblivion on that. Like I stayed in the perfect position, was able to ride it out, but um, it would catch because it wasn't indie dirt. Like you would hit it and you would sink in and create a rut. Mm-hmm. So although difficult, yes, the kicks that you would get as a rider wouldn't be as aggressive. Um, I'm now I'm going on a tangent about whoops. We're supposed to be talking about Plessinger. Yeah. So he was long story short, he was very freaking solid. Yeah. And one of those races that, unfortunately, this is the only bummer about the situation, don't happen often. Yep. Right. He was flowing on every single freaking part of that track. I really good. I just really hope that he takes away I can do it, not I messed right. it up. Because he can do it. The dude can win. He was... And you know what he said in that... Didn't he say it in that interview? Didn't yeah. he say, say he loves Seattle? Yeah, he does. And he can't wait for Seattle? That's... Boom. But it, just... Acting uh, in that emotion within a minute of it happening and him saying that... That's all you need to know. He's thinking the right way. So that's cool. Dude, he... I was so devastated. And as soon as he started, as soon as he got flung into a Superman, you want to know the first thing that I thought? What? Worst cameraman camp. It's <laughs> <laughs> just a couple rows ahead crying. Don't mind me. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. He's and he just, hit hard. I, I just, he's just a good dude. I just, I've had the pleasure to have conversations with him. I've had lunch with him. He, he's just, I, I'm rooting for Aaron Plessinger. He's going to get a win. He's going to do it. He's completely capable. We can see it. Um, and basically all I, I have to say on it is like, I, I, I want that. I want people like him to do really well because yep. he, he is just a solid guy, you know? A hundred percent. Oh, I need a nap. 
100%. His crash was also hard. Hopefully he's okay. Yeah, he tucked in not a good... Horribly. Yeah, he shouldn't have tucked. <laughs> he shouldn't have tucked. I mean, there was a couple of things that went on in that crash. One, and I know that he was being stubborn with it because it was throwing away a first Supercross win. He shouldn't have held on to the bike as long as he did. Yeah. In, I, in yeah. that situation, there was really no save in that. The way he was getting flung, jumping onto an on-off, all of those things kind of tossed into that scenario. He should have immediately thrown the bike, probably was the best bet. Um, what happened was he just he got flung the perfectly wrong way. I think it could have been avoided, but yeah, when he decided to tuck his head, I'm surprised he didn't get knocked out. I mean, he hit the ground hard, really hard. Oh, just devastating. Uh, and everybody. I, it's hard to think of like what could have been because that stadium would have flipped upside down if... Aaron won, you know, and, and that's going to happen wherever it happens. Um, man, would it be cool if it happened at Atlanta? But well, the good news for him also is he's going into a couple, a few, all is every single stadium. He's going into all open stadium scenarios. Yeah. Which notoriously it he's is all, if any of those rain, Plessinger immediately has an advantage. Yeah. Yep. Dude, temperature's dropping out here quick. Well, hey, I mean, that's a record-breaking podcast. Over two hours. Breaking. Yeah, also, I'm going to tell Ryan, hopefully he's happy and not mad. I'm not doing the breakdown. <laughs> I, um, uh, I'm going to go relax. I'm not doing the breakdown. And also, you and I kind of dove into both things that I wanted to talk about anyway, which were Plessinger and uh, that Deegan situation. Yeah. And the press conference. I, I hope I, I wasn't too to. opinionated. I'm sure what? everyone's gonna tell me if I was too opinionated. But no, I don't. I, we never try to be too. We we try to look at it from a, every angle. I think. Yeah, I mean, I obviously, I obviously, my mindset comes from the filmmaker in me. Um, and, and if there's ever an angle that you guys don't, I just don't like that. I, I just don't. If like, you guys think we're taking an angle, and you have a different angle, let us know. Yeah, I just don't like. I don't like opinionated, biased. I just don't like it. But then again, I'm biased. So who freaking cares? I, whatever. <laughs> it's all yeah, every, everybody has a little bit of bias in them. Right. But like we, my we, bias I is you, you I and I be nice to people. <laughs> yeah, like I, I want people you, to be nice to people. Like get the story, but don't yeah. do it in a. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like a yeah. yeah just be nice. Know. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Just just be nice to people. You know, be kind. There you have it, guys. You heard it here first. Moto Academy, the no- number one podcast in the world. Two just hours plus, dude. Be nice to people. We're doing we're doing marathon episodes nowadays. Shout out to driver Jamie. He had a short drive this week, but we gave you a long we gave you a long podcast. So maybe I'll, maybe I could task him to drive somewhere. Where can we get him going? Uh, what do I need? I, we're moving. So driver Jamie. Could you help us move? I know you just did it. <laughs> I yep. know you just did it like six, seven months ago, but I think we're just moving to Naples. We don't have that much stuff to move. I promise it will be easier than the last one. I will hire people here in Tampa and I'll hire people in Naples so you don't have to lift a thing. You just have to drive. Um, and I would love you forever. And I promise I'll only move one more time and use you. 
that's how I officially am asking him because I'll forget. Okay, well, he'll hear it. So, driver Jamie, let me know. Two hours, holy crap, dude. I need to go edit and eat lunch and... The Marathon Podcast is officially over. Toodaloo.